0: Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA with training in pastoral care and counseling. And I'm Paula. I'm a licensed
1: counselor, a counseling professor, and a person of Christian faith.
0: So as we're getting started, we just want to say that Sacred Intersections Podcast is about respectful discussion and conversation to encourage you to think. We're not trying to make you think like us, just trying to make you think. That is our agenda. Neither one of us speaks on behalf of the Presbyterian Church USA or other organizations which we may be connected to in our professional lives, nor do we speak on behalf of all mental health care professionals and practitioners, people of faith, Jesus followers, white women, Americans, or people who like tattoos. We do like tattoos. Yes. One of us is in the pre-tattoo phase. One of us has three tattoos. I
1: was just about to say, one of us doesn't actually have a tattoo, (laughs) and one of us has multiple tattoos. It's me. I'm the one that doesn't have a tattoo. I I like thinking
0: of you in the pre-tattoo phase. (laughs) I think, I think, because we talk about it every once in a while, that you're thinking about a tattoo at some point. I just haven't been able to commit. Like,
1: it's a big commitment. It is. And it feels like, like when I buy art for a room or something, I'm... I'm one of those shoppers that has to know every option. Sure. And when I commit, I'm fully committed. There you go. But something that's permanent that's gonna be with me, literally with me yeah. <laughs> for the rest of my life, seems a little intimidating to yeah. figure out. How did you decide well which
0: ones you have? So I have three, and my first tattoo has been had been one that I had wanted for most of my life. So my first tattoo is on my wrist and it's the Hebrew word Shema. Which, if you uh, listen to our episode on mini- women in ministry, I tell part of my call story, which is very centrally located around that particular passage from Deuteronomy, which in Hebrew is called the Shema. And the first word is here, Shema. Uh, so later on in the passage, it talks about binding it as a symbol on your forehead and fixing it as an emblem on your wrist. Ah. And so... I I get out there from my Hebrew and Jewish scholars that there's all sorts of Jewish thinking about how tattoos are not really treating your body like a temple. So I see that there's a paradox there. The ink is on my arm. I love it. I love it every time I look at it. I have an anchor on my ankle. Um, anchor is an important symbol for me. An anchor ankle.
1: It's an very an, illiterate. It, illiter- it, there you go. Anchor ankle. Yes. Ankle.
0: There's uh, some nautical themes. I have. I have sailing in my family's history. So that bears uh, a repeating. And then hope is an anchor of our faith. Hope is an important concept to me. And I also graduated from a place called Hope College. And the anchor is the symbol of college of that particular college. So wow. that's a big part of who I am. And so it's where cool. I met my partner, it's where our dog gets his name. So there's a lot around that. And then my most recent tattoo I have on my right forearm. And it is a phrase that is written in my mom's handwriting. It's the way that she used to sign all of her cards to me. And uh, and so I, I brought the card to the tattoo artist and said, I want this exact handwriting and this particular phrase. And I love it. I, I love that she's with me and... She would hate it, she did not. My mom was not someone who liked tattoos um, when she was living on the earth. And I'm sure that if she were present, she would be real frustrated that to honor her memory, I put her words in a tattoo on my arm, but I love tattoos. And I think they're fun. And I love the stories that go behind them and hearing other people's stories. And
1: that is so lovely. See, and those are very meaningful and and you have no regrets. When I got
0: my first tattoo, the artist encouraged me by saying, This is just your first tattoo. It's not your only tattoo. And true true to life, I about a year later I got the ankle and then it took me about ten years to get this one on my arm. But I can already I'm already thinking about my next one.
1: Wow. All right, maybe I'll get there. Maybe. Roadies, if you have ideas for what I did think about getting our Sacred Intersections logo as a tattoo, which I love, I love our logo so much and I love our podcast so much. So, who knows? All right. So, back, speaking of podcast, speaking of podcast, <laughs> back, um, we do just want to remind you, as we always do, that Sacred Intersections is a podcast that includes discussion and conversation about religion, spirituality, mental health. And all the ways that they intersect because Jill and I were already having these kinds of conversations. So we decided to record them and share them with you. So we're just super glad you're here for the journey, even if you're traveling different roads or you're driving different vehicles than we are. So before we jump in, we'll do our usual word from our sponsor that y'all might be getting tired of hearing about by now if you're a regular listener. But we are sitting in the new office for the Center for Healing Religious Harm.
0: Yay! Hey, you could get that
1: logo as a tattoo. Oh, I love that logo. I do love
0: that logo, too.
1: That logo was created by a friend of ours who's a beautiful artist. And it's a lovely little abstract flower. And who also did some artwork in the office that we're sitting in. Because for those of you who listened last time, heard my noise machine saga and leaving my old office rather abruptly. (laughs) True.
0: And as frustrating as that whole experience was, I will say, what a Holy Spirit direction because this new office is so lovely. If you know anyone in the state of North Carolina who needs some good counseling and who wants to do it in person, I'm sitting on a comfy couch. I've got a fuzzy blanket at my arm. It's a beautiful space with gorgeous artwork and... Just good, there's good juju in this room.
1: Yes, I love, I love this space. I'm so thankful for it. And if our artist friend allows, perhaps we'll link her, her business page. So y'all can also connect with some artwork. And, um, but yeah, that the Center for Healing Religious Harm, counseling in the state of North Carolina and clinical supervision and consultation anywhere, anywhere really. So Focusing on what we talk about in this podcast, the ways that religion has been twisted to be harmful and the healing that we're hoping will come from it, which leads us to our topic today. A little bit of an offshoot off the spiritual bypass episode,
0: I think. Yeah, so, if you're interested in having uh, a little bit of extra information going into this episode, or if you want to listen to this episode, another episode that pairs well with this would be our episode on spiritual bypass that was done earlier this season. goes together with the today's topic, which is... Which is forgiveness. Forgiveness.
1: Yes. In that episode on spiritual bypass, we had our guest, Dr. Craig Cashwell. We got some pretty amazing feedback on that episode, so... We, I think, touched on the ideas around forgiveness and how can that, that can be used as spiritual bypass. But we thought that it's a big enough topic that it also warranted a whole episode all to itself on yeah. how this beautiful theological concept can be really twisted and manipulated to be very harmful.
0: Yes, yes. And one of the things I think is important to say at the outset is that we're going to do... The, the best job that we can to differentiate the different kinds of forgiveness that we're talking about because we have the idea of divine forgiveness that, that uh, speaking from, I guess, also important to say, as Christians, we'll be speaking from a mainly Christian perspective. But understanding the forgiveness we receive from God, that would be one aspect. And then the, the expectation and biblical mandate to forgive one another and to forgive ourselves So sort of those two tracks of, I I think it's important to differentiate when we're talking about if God forgived us or when God forgives us, and if we're forgiving our neighbor and when we're forgiving our neighbor and things like that.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jill. I think that is a really important distinction. We're called sacred intersections. So absolutely, (laughs) we're looking at this from a theological standpoint. And I'm glad you made that distinction about the forgiveness that comes kind of, if you could see me. I'm doing a vertical line kind of God down to us and then a horizontal line of us to each other. And um, so, so yeah, we're going to spend some time in that theology and then we'll jump on the mental health road where we'll look at some of the ways that this can have a huge, severe mental health impact on people when it is twisted or when it's used by abusers or when it's used um, in a manipulative way or when it's well-intentioned and just encouraging unhealthy spiritual bypass absolutely so let's jump on the religion road first
0: yeah well so if we understand that our religion road we have we have scripture and we have the first testament or or the hebrew bible or the old testament and we have the new testament we bring these together that there are whole rainbow library of perspectives on forgiveness and particularly in the Hebrew Bible, I think sometimes Christians look at the Old Testament God as a fire and brimstone God, that forgiveness isn't as much a thing in the Hebrew Bible, that it's a punishing God that doesn't interact with with humanity as much, which is a twisting of what's there in scripture for us. There's There's transactional forgiveness, and and when I think about transactional forgiveness, I think about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality of equity and justice and forgiveness and um, reparations that come with this is is what comes when there's a grievance or something. In
1: order to be forgiven, you must do this.
0: Exactly, exactly. And a lot of it has to do with a thinking about cleanliness and uncleanliness. Like what's in order to be clean, you need to be forgiven in order to be forgiven. You need to do, and there's a a direct list and, and way that things need to happen for forgiveness. The new Testament has a very different perspective on that because of Sunday school answer Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Uh, so the concept and understanding that Jesus, God, came to earth fully human, fully divine, as the means of forgiving of our sins. That that Jesus' death on the cross was the act of reconciliation that brought us back together with God, that our sins are forgiven, that our slates are wiped clean. So all kinds of things that we hear in Jesus' life and ministry about forgiveness. And I would like to make the argument that a lot of the twisting and religious harm that happens is when Jesus's words are taken out of context or not understood in the cultural implications of the time.
1: Okay. I'll be curious to hear about that.
0: And and so there's this idea that forgiveness is a button that you press and then everything mm. goes away. Mm. And uh, the phrase forgive and forget is not in the Bible.
1: Not in the Bible. Not in
0: the Bible. So this idea of forgiveness being this magic wand that gets waved. And back when
1: we were... Sorry, go ahead. So Before we move on to that forgive and forget thing, I do have a question. So I think if we think of that like horizontal, us forgiving each other versus the way God forgives us and how sometimes that gets confusing... There is some stuff about God, like wiping away our sins, or so some implication of like God forgetting or not holding our sins against. And there was an episode on sin last week. If you if you want to, yeah, hear some more about sin. It's sinning. all connected. It's um, all connected. But so so there is kind of that concept from the idea that God can do that, but there's never the expectation for us as humans to do that. Is that what you're saying? Or
0: well, I think if we if we think to ourselves. Okay, God forgives me so I can do whatever we want. I can do whatever I want. That's a cheapening of the grace that's extended to us. And so yes, you are absolutely right. In scripture it talks about our sins are being forgiven and our our, our we are made to be new again that we are, are in Jesus we are a new creation. And I think honoring that theological concept because we've received God's love and forgiveness, we are then inspired to do better. And so, yes, there there is not a little God wandering around behind us being like, you know, I forgave you for this already. Mm. Like, name I'm going way, way ahead of things, but if we think about how many Billboard sitcoms are there about, I think, what episode of Friends is it when... Someone says, well, I, when Ross says, well, I forgave you for this and you should forgive me for this. And I'm sure it comes to them, Ross and Rachel being on a break or not being on a break. (laughs) I'm sure that that's pretty much how it boils down to. But Well, and one of the things we're going to get to when we
1: get to the mental health road is this idea that forgiving someone means that you're saying it's okay that you did that. And that's never what forgiveness is about. Right. So I think that ties into what you're saying. And so just no roadies. We're going to get to that concept and the negative mental health impact that that concept can have.
0: Yeah. Well, I think about, so there's these two children's toys that I think a lot about. So in my early years in ministry, I used an Etch-A-Sketch, which awesome toy, uh, awesome, awesome toy uses like lead and, and, and things like that. A slightly more updated, but still not recent toy is, like, do you remember the Magna Doodle? I think I was too
1: old for the Magna
0: Doodle. It, it, like, same thing. Screen, and you had, like, a little, so with the Etch-A-Sketch, you used knobs, and you could really only go in perpendicular or vertical horizontal lines. And the Magna Doodle, you could do curves. Mm, Okay. That was the thing. But basically, you're, like, using a magnet to drag little pieces of lead around to draw. And with the Etch-A-Sketch, you just shook it. And everything went away. And with the Magna Doodle, there was like a shunk, shunk, little, little thing that you went, chunk, chunk. Okay, that sounds a little bit like the Law and
1: Order it intro, but, but I know what you're talking about.
0: And it, and it all went away. And with both the Magna and the Etch-A-Sketch, there was always a little trace of what was there before.
1: Mm. And
0: I remember doing object lessons early on in ministry and trying to teach little kids about forgiveness and having this understanding about God forgives us and God helps us to shake the etch-a-sketch but we have a memory of what was there and we use our memory to do better the next time we hold ourselves accountable for what we had to ask for forgiveness for for forgiveness for and then and then move on and so apologies if neither of those toys mean anything to you but This idea that God does not keep this record of wrongs for us and reminds us. Like, I know that's the way my brain works. Like, I keep my own record of wrongs. I don't need anybody to remind me of what I've done wrong. Like, I carry that around with me and try and do better and still mess up plenty. But when Jesus came and Jesus died for our sins, as we're reminded in Scripture, there's this new life that's brought about and this opportunity to move past everything we've done wrong, be forgiven, have this new thing and start fresh. And yeah. like who doesn't love a fresh start? Like Amen to that. That's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you going that direction, Jill, because when I was thinking of this episode, I was thinking more that horizontal how forgiveness happens amongst us humans. And, of course, it goes back to what we're taught and modeled and that we're taught we're supposed to forgive as Jesus forgave, which is, I think, true and also can be really twisted. But that's just a great reminder of the forgiveness that we also experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and so here's the thing. This might be a little bit of a side road, but when we talk about trying to fill in the blank as Jesus fill in the blank. Trying to live as Jesus lived, trying to teach like Jesus taught, trying to serve like Jesus served, trying to forgive like Jesus forgave. There's one perfect human without sin in all the world, and his name is Jesus. None of us are perfect, none of us are without sin. So the key phrase in that is try. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to fail. Yeah. And so, and we all have this like hierarchy of scripture and how we hold these things accountable. And we can't live our lives exactly as Jesus lived his life, yes. life for a variety of reasons. Centuries and time being one of the biggest ones, but we're gonna we're gonna fail. So yes, we should try to forgive as Jesus forgave, yeah. but it's not entirely possible. It's not impossible, but it's real, real hard.
1: And in the trying, there shouldn't be shame that we don't get it completely right. Yeah, with the leaving, living as Jesus lived, it's the the how can that make us better so
0: yeah okay yeah so the horizontal forgiveness that you're that you're talking about so we've got two examples in the gospels one of which is when Jesus is teaching about forgiveness and says the very famous is this the math this is the math you There's should even, forgive
1: I can't even get away from math in the bible I know <laughs> Like, all right, so Jesus gives us multiplication. Jesus Tell us gives about us the multiplication math multiplication and,
0: and says we should forgive 70 times seven,
1: which is what?
0: Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no calculator there in this room.
1: Calculator. We always have a calculator on our phone. So, 70 times seven is 490. Okay, and I should have been able to do that. Yes, I should have been able to do that in my head, but we didn't. So, they but need.
0: listen. If you are counting, if you have like a little notebook in your pocket that you carry around and every time you go, it's okay, to somebody, you put a little tick mark. Beside their name. And when you get to 490, you stop. Oh, you're doing it wrong. (laughs)
1: You're
0: doing it wrong.
1: And if you're hanging out with someone and letting them do the same thing to you (laughs) 490 times, That's that we're going to talk about that in the mental health road, but it's okay to set boundaries and not allow people to continue to mistreat you just because it's only been 489 times.
0: Right. So here's what I want to say. This is where it's helpful to understand some of the historical concepts. Seven is a holy number. There are seven days in creation. There's, there's lots of sevens throughout scripture. Seven is an important number. Seventy times like what Jesus is trying to say is you should continually keep on forgiving. Keep that forgiveness is a, a process by which There's a it's metaphor always happening. for
1: persistence.
0: Yes, it's in, a metaphor for persistence. It's one of those nerdy Greek verb tenses that's was happening at the beginning of time is happening now and will happen into perpetuity. So it's a constant the the act of forgiving and participating in forgiveness. So that is important. And if, if you're keeping track and counting to 490, you're doing it wrong. So that's one place. The other very obvious place, we're a few weeks out from Easter as we're recording this, thinking about Holy Week when Jesus is on the cross, very, very famously one of the seven last words, phrases that Jesus utters from the cross is father forgive them they know not what they do that in and of itself is is a beautiful aspect of divine forgiveness it also could be so badly twisted like oh look at jesus who's been executed by the state and beaten and is in the most unimaginable physical pain ever and if jesus can forgive that then you should be able to forgive anything else and it just fascinates me how that gets twisted, this unattainable perfection forgiveness that gets twisted to say, you're allowed to let people treat you as awful as you want, you have to forgive.
1: And I think it, it is a beautiful example of even in the most horrific circumstances we can imagine, Jesus' words were those of forgiveness and not of punishment, not of anger, not of hatred, not of retribution, not of resentment. Yeah, condemnation. Yeah. 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 And, and the ability to recognize just the true ignorance of what people were doing and not recognizing who he was. And I think, you know, that is something again to try to work towards. That mm-hmm. kind of understanding of life and humanity and how ignorantly we walk through life in so many right. spaces. And that was not intended to be a shame for people who are not able to forgive and move on and pretend like nothing's happened. Which, by the way, was not what Jesus did. We're going to talk about that on the mental health road, too.
0: Right, Um,
1: right. And to give you a little preview of that, when Jesus came back, Jesus didn't go hang out with people who killed him.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) He hung out with people who he loved and were healthy and had treated him well.
0: Well, and and if we think about all of the all of the sermons that Jesus gave all of the times that he was teaching on the mountainside and preached repentance preached the forgiveness of sins and you know baptized the disciples to go out and and tell people that they've been forgiven and to, to announce that word that word like one of my favorite parts of a presbyterian worship service that we have at, at our church is that we we have a prayer that we call the prayer of confession, where we offer up a chance to sort of just say to God, like, look, there's things I've done that I, I shouldn't have. There's things that I haven't done that I should have. I've, I've messed up, and I'm, I'm sorry, and I've, I've come to ask for your mercy, and I've come to ask for your forgiveness. And it's immediately followed by this piece of liturgy we call the assurance of forgiveness. And it's a reminder of all of the scriptures and all of the places that remind us that in Jesus Christ we're forgiven. And immediately after that, we do this thing called sharing God's peace. Because the idea that we're forgiven by God should give us peace in our hearts. It shouldn't make us feel shame. It shouldn't make us feel guilty. It should give us peace. And it should inspire us.
1: It's as And this, is again, goes back to the episode that we had on sin last episode. That... It was meant to be a freedom, not a binding and a restriction. Yeah. And when it's twisted and manipulated, it becomes a binding and it feels like a burden, which is the opposite of what God's forgiveness and the asking us to forgive is meant to be.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, you, you've, you've already said it. It's this this concept that has the potential to be so beautiful and so life-giving and it gets so badly twisted into shame and guilt and isolation and exclusion
1: and resentment because and, we're told to do something that doesn't feel authentic.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So let's 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 get on the mental health road. I,
1: yeah, I think that that leads us to the mental health road and that's where I see clients and just a lot of Christians in general struggling with this idea of being burdened or ordered or told to forgive something that number one, they're not ready to forgive, Mm -hmm. but also being given the wrong idea about what forgiveness even means. Yep. So I would preface this with counselors. If you are working with a client whose one of their goals is to work on forgiving someone, really dig into what they mean by that. Don't assume you and they are thinking of the same idea when you talk about forgiveness, because so many different Christian faith traditions are going to define this differently. It's going to look differently. What's been asked of people is going to be different than yeah. what Jill is describing, right. potentially. So um, so agreeing to work on that, depending on the concept of the client, has potential to be really damaging and to cause further trauma. And so, you know, one of that we've already alluded to, but just this idea that, misunderstanding, wrong idea, I would, I would offer that forgiveness means that you're saying, oh, that's okay. It wasn't a big deal. It's okay that it happened. Let's pretend like it didn't and move on. That is not what forgiveness means. That's not what I've heard you describe forgiveness as. Um, And so I just want to say to anyone who's been trying to forgive someone and maybe been struggling with this misunderstanding of it, that it's not okay that someone hurt you. It's not okay for yes. someone to hurt you.
0: It's so important to hear.
1: It's not okay for someone to physically hurt you. It's not okay for someone to sexually hurt you. It's not okay for someone to emotionally or mentally hurt you. Like that is, and so you are not ordered by God to say it's okay that you did that. I'm saying that as a counselor. I'm saying that as a Christian. Jill, the pastor, is nodding.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, it's just like to hear that. I, I we lose so much and of how much it is to be given permission to something like it's okay not to be okay. That was an important episode that we did, but it's not okay that someone hurt you. It's not okay that this happened and it's not okay that you're being asked to dismiss it like that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I might be misusing the term, but it feels like that's even a little bit of gaslighting going on. I think,
1: yeah, it's in that realm. Gaslighting when someone is trying to basically convince you your reality is not real that you're that you're losing your mind and so that's part of that just dissonant feeling when you're being commanded to do this by religious leaders or by sometimes well-intentioned christians or by not well-intentioned christians when they are saying you need to forgive and you'll feel better when you get forgive and in your heart and your soul and your gut and everything knows no, that I'm not going to feel better when I do this kind of forgiveness like you're talking about yeah. and pretending it. So, so someone telling you to not trust your gut and to not trust your emotions and to not trust when you know, wait a second. That doesn't that doesn't feel like God to me. That doesn't feel right to me. That's that is yes, I would say that is a form of gaslighting and to set whatever boundaries you need to. I think that can be really important in the mental health world and a counseling session, but also just in our churches to be real clear that forgiveness is not saying it's okay that this happened.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think the other thing, and we may have talked a little bit about this uh, last season when we did an episode on domestic abuse, but I think oftentimes forgiveness gets linked with this idea, the biblical idea of turn the other cheek. Mm. Jesus talks about, about turning the other cheek and I'm jumping back to the religion road for a second. Sorry. Yeah. Um the concept like the cultural concept of turning the other cheek, there's this fascinating perspective of the the way that a uh, when when someone slaps you, they are in a certain position and the way that they slap someone is from a a position of power to a position without power. And by turning the cheek, you force them into a posi- you, you force them to change their stance to put yourselves on equal footing. Ah, oh, interesting. And the, the whole... I think go- even in the
1: last episode when you said this, I was like, that's really cool, and I had forgotten about it.
0: Well, and, like, the whole go go an extra mile for, this, for the person, like, the, the concept that, like, there's a set amount of of labor that was considered appropriate for the time, and so to invite someone to go an extra mile is is asking them to violate, to, to be even more unjust than they're already being, and so, mm-hmm. like, the, it, it the... Jesus was being subversive when he said those things. And there's so much cultural context that gets missed and has been lost in in actual translation and in cultural translation that we think that this concept of forgiveness is something that we're basically just supposed to like wet noodle ourselves Mm, mm -hmm. and not have an accountability for people to be better and an, an accountability to to invite people to treat us better, to set boundaries. And that just, yeah. so sorry if that's a big repetition of what we've already talked about. but
1: No, I think that, that's so important for us just to name that this is another episode where you have to be willing to engage the nuance. You have to be willing to engage that you can have a servant's heart and you can honor others and do for others and serve others and love others. And still set boundaries with others and still honor yourself within doing that. And that's not a dishonoring of the commandments of God or anything else. Right. And so you can forgive someone and set boundaries with them. You can forgive someone and say, you're not in my life anymore.
0: Yes. Well, and I think we need to name that this concept of forgiveness is so often twisted to be a singular act that takes less than five Mm, minutes. mm -hmm. like.
1: It's an event, not a process.
0: Yeah. When in
1: reality, just to be clear, it's a process, absolutely. not an event.
0: Absolutely. And I also think that there's a difference between, sorry, I stepped on your toe and so, like naming the fact that I think particularly women in the world are prone to saying, I'm sorry for plenty of things that they don't have any control over for, or that they, they there's no reason for, to yes, take on the burden, to take on the burden, to say, I'm sorry for things over which we have no control, that there's a difference between oh, I'm like, excuse me, which I think is a better for, excuse me, I stepped on your toe, excuse me that I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And this, the need for cultivating an air of forgiveness, like I, I will say like, I'm There are people in my life that I'm still working on forgiving. I haven't got, Mm -hmm. like, I'm I'm in the process of forgiveness. And it's a hard process. Like, I think sometimes we talk about these things. I know, particularly from the pulpit, I talk about things and I try and say often, it's really easy to talk about this. It is so much harder to do it. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, forgiveness is not an easy process. I might dare say, if you think it's easy, you might be doing it wrong if you
1: think it's easy you might be engaging in spiritual bypass. There it is. And so again, spiritual bypass, we had a whole episode on it, but it's this idea of going to the religiosity aspect of something without engaging in the emotional work or the psychological work or and so it is what exactly what we're talking about here. Someone says, "Oh, you should forgive that person." So you just say, "Oh, I forgive you." And and never talk about it again and never move on. But there's still this burden and perhaps resentment for doing that. And there's this idea that you know it's not okay. and But yet you were forced to just say, I forgive you and move on. That would be an example of forgiveness being engaged with spiritual bypass. Yeah. And so, so bypassing all of the work to do what I would call true forgiveness. And I'm not exactly sure. I've been struggling with how to define what I would call true, healthy forgiveness. And again, I'm talking about the horizontal kind. Sure. The people to people. God can snap his finger or... Send a lightning bolt or whatever God wants to do sure. to forgive us. That's sure. It. We're not God. Jesus. Jesus, there yes. It is. <laughs> so, okay, pastor. You can also send Jesus to, to make it easy. That's how but, God
0: forgives. It's Jesus.
1: But part of us being human means that we don't have that ability to snap our fingers and do things. And I don't think that means we can't get there. But kind of, I think of it as you know, not to go all frozen, Disney frozen on us, but you know, that the let it go from a true letting it go. So it's a freedom, not a binding. Yep. There it is. It's a, um, it's a not allowing the other person or this event around us to continue to control us and to bind us up in that way. And especially if that's something around trauma you know trauma lives in our body trauma lives in our mind and our soul and it's not something again that we just say I forgive you and just moves on from that it's hard hard work to truly let that go yeah so I don't say just let it go like Elsa singing is it Elsa that sang or on it yeah it was Elsa there you go you could tell I don't have kids (laughs) (laughs) but I have seen the movie there we go that's important yeah Mm -hmm. So, you know, back to the idea of you can forgive and set boundaries. Like what I was alluding to, even on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or that's one translation of it. And But when Jesus was resurrected, the documentation we have of that is him going to his disciples and going to people who were seeking and talking about this. He didn't go visit the Roman soldiers that we know of. He didn't go visit Pilate and, you know, all those places that we think in retribution we might want to go.
0: Well, and there isn't isn't this rehashing of like, Hmm. here I am, resurrected Jesus, let's talk about everything you did, and now I'm going to make a performance of forgiving you. Hmm. Because that's also, I think, a really important thing when we have... There's this this often expectation that there's this pronunciation forgiveness that's very performative and mm. not very authentic. So mm. I think of of churches that will say to a, a couple that's having issues and and considering ending their marriage, there needs to be forgiveness and then. There's this very performative, we've forgiven each other and everything's fine. And look, we're coming in and that, that whole dressing up to come to church and, and, and getting, getting ready to come to church becomes this very inauthentic experience. And Mm -hmm. it's a performative and it's rote. Or even like a mom with her two little kids that are
1: fighting sit, say, you're sorry. I'm sorry. You know, but it's that performative aspect of I'm going to do it for the person who's watching and shaming me into doing this. But it's not going to be a truly engaged, authentic, working through how can I let this go and move on from this? Yeah. Um, or how can I not necessarily even move on, but how can I live within this new situation? So I just, I that is something I hadn't really considered until this episode about how even Jesus in this moment of forgiveness that is held up as what I think is truly the most amazing moment of forgiveness in the middle of being killed that doesn't go back and say do it again i'm back you want to go for a round two right doesn't sets boundaries focuses on the people that are healthy and positive and affirming so and it also doesn't forgiveness doesn't mean that you pretend it didn't happen like that's such a denial of your experience an experience that has shaped you that probably shapes your relationships and shapes your trust with other people and shapes, um, especially your trust with that person, but could also impact other relationships. So this idea of just forgive and move on or forgive and forget is so dismissive to someone's trauma or someone's hurt and pain in that situation.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it goes back to, for me, it goes back to that concept of cheap grace that the, theologian dietrich bonhoeffer just talks about how how this this the the grace of forgiveness that god pours out on us is cheapened when we just wipe it away like go and and just go back to the way that things were and expect that everything is going to be the way that it it was and Mm -hmm. i think as you're saying it cheapens our relationships with one another and the integrity that we've built the trust that we've built to, to, to say, I need you to forgive me for doing this thing. Oh, you're forgiven. Okay. I'm going to keep doing this thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's not a true asking of forgiveness. That's not a true apology seeking of reconciliation within that relationship. Right. So, you know, I think it is easier to forgive and to work through when someone does display an authentic, regret and remorse and understanding of the hurt that they caused and just recognition that it was something they did that they're going to try not to do again that certainly makes it easier i don't think that's always necessary for forgiveness but i think i don't know i also maybe shouldn't assume that it makes it easier because again that can be felt as like oh they've apologized so now i don't get to to manage my pain or my pain, I need to let go of my pain. You could still have your pain, right. even if someone's genuinely remorseful for causing it. Yeah. And for our own sakes, we don't want to get stuck in that pain. We want to honor the pain and then we want to do what we need to do to seek healing around the pain.
0: Right. Well, I think we struggle in the world to allow both things to be true we can be working through the process of forgiveness, working through letting something go and still be in pain. Mm. It's it's difficult for us not to have the chunk chunk of the magna doodle or the shaking of the Etch-a-Sketch and to just be done with it. And if, like mm. there's this expectation of like forgiveness, cut and dry, I'm done. Let's move on to the next thing. And it's just not that linear. Yes. Or, or like it's not black and white. It's not one way or the other way. There's yeah. a spectrum that, yeah. we're, that we're And you
1: could on. have moments of feeling like you've forgiven someone and then have moments of distrust or resentment that pop up. You know, it's, a, it's that process, not an event thing yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah. And if we're trying to forgive someone for an on... Like, if you've got parents that were not good parents, were not there for you, and you still have a relationship with them, you know, that forgiveness may seem really hard because it's an ongoing abuse or right. it's an ongoing emotional abuse. At yeah. least. And so some of that might be adjusting those expectations yes. of someone and detaching from the relationship, which doesn't mean you don't love them, but also says, I'm not going to allow you to continue treating me this way. might be a physical detachment, might just be an emotional detachment. Um, and that's, so it's really hard to forgive someone in the middle of ongoing abuse of you,
0: right? Yeah. Well, so the other thing that I I really want to hear your perspective on while we're on the mental health road is I think that there's we have these two types of forgive we have the vertical forgiveness of divine to human and we have human to human. I think forgiveness of self is also
1: mm-hmm. an important
0: thing to talk about. And so I think about forgiveness of self and the way that we need to. Give ourselves the same grace that God pours out on us and be willing to mess up and forgive ourselves. And I also know that forgiveness is a really difficult concept to wrestle with. I think about 12-step programs and mm-hmm. working the steps and understanding, working through addiction Think about uh, this is more than forgiving self, but relationships of codependency and things like that. So talk, talk a little bit about your understanding about the importance of the mental health of self-forgiveness and things like that. Yeah,
1: such an important concept and also something that I, often comes up in counseling, even if it's not phrased quite in that way, that I need to work on forgiving myself. I think it can be a part of self-acceptance. It can be a part of... Of just giving yourself grace for the experiences you've had and the things you did to survive within those experiences. And so I would, we talk a lot about shame on this podcast. Yeah. And I would say kind of that shame is on the opposite end of forgiveness of self. Yeah. So shame is, is that beating yourself up constantly, feeling like you need to pay penance, even if it's just internally feeling not good enough, no matter what you do versus recognizing Maybe you did some things you didn't, that looking back, you might have done differently. Or maybe you've just been told things that are Mm -hmm. wrong about yourself and your worth and your value to the world and each other and to God. and Or you've been told things about your identity that are wrong and erroneous that have caused that shame into the perspective as well. And so that's where this concept of true forgiveness, of kind of letting go, um, now this is What I'm about to say is not to excuse behavior, but I, I just come from a theoretical approach of most choices that people make are what they think is the best thing in the time and are sometimes grounded in survival, like sometimes grounded in what you have to do to deal with a difficult situation. And so this concept of this is the person I had to become in order to survive this childhood or this relationship or things like that might be a way to, to do that. I think about the theoretical approach of internal family systems, which for our counselors and our counseling students, if you're not familiar with that, it's kind of the hot new theoretical approach,
0: internal,
1: internal family, family systems. systems. Okay. And I'm not an expert. I'm dying to get trained in it, but I, but just to give you a quick overview of what that looks like, it's kind of just recognizing the different parts within ourself and how how they have arisen oftentimes because that was some way we needed to manage a specific situation. And sometimes they stick around when they're not as appropriate to the situation. Like when I had a counselor who was using this, the way she described it is kind of like all these different people in the car and which one's driving. And sometimes someone's driving that's not as appropriate to be driving for that particular road or that situation. So we need to put them in the backseat, you know, that you needed that anger part of yourself oh, to survive know. this. But now we can put the anger part in the back seat and let that stay that way. Or, you know, we needed the good daughter part to survive mm-hmm. this situation. Sure. Um, but... So, um so that work can I think can be really helpful of kind of recognizing the different parts of yourself and when they were necessary and forgiving yourself for what you did in order to survive. Yeah. You know, or accept even accepting. I don't know that we even need to forgive ourselves for those kind of things.
0: Yeah. That's so helpful. Ooh, internal internal family systems. I'm yes. My interest is peaked.
1: And it's It's so hard to get into a training. I'm a little hesitant to leave this part in the podcast because that's going to be more people competing for trainings than I'm trying to get into. (laughs) You have to enter a lottery in all these different states to try to get in and only a certain number of people are there. It doesn't mean you can't learn about it. But but that's just, I think, a concept that can be helpful when it comes to forgiving yourself and just kind of giving yourself permission for... The different parts of yourself that were necessary. Yeah. Um,
0: Anything else on the mental health road you want to cover before we move
1: um, on? Yeah, a few more places. Just, you know, you mentioned kind of a concept, like a situation of maybe domestic violence, which we did have a whole podcast on that. But the I this is one place where, speaking more broadly, the idea of forgiveness can really be weaponized to manipulate, like people being told they're a bad Christian with quotes around bad, bad Christian, if they don't forgive and stay in this marriage, or that can be translated to lots of different situations too. If you've been told you're a bad Christian because you can't forgive as Jesus forgives, then I would offer you that that person doesn't know Jesus very well if they're expecting us to be able to (laughs) act that way. Um, you know, and we mentioned how earlier, how that can really make people doubt themselves. So this idea of, I know it wasn't okay what happened, but I'm being told by this religious leader to pretend like it's okay that it happened because that's what Jesus would do. That's not what Jesus would do. Right. It's not what Jesus would do. Right.
0: Well, and I think, I think about situations where there are acts that churchy people have committed Like a church, an employee of the church embezzling money and taking money from the church. And the difference in how forgiveness for that, for for the the person who embezzled, there's a difference in the process of forgiveness that is expected for that particular crime, sin, action, than a couple going through a, a marriage separation and divorce the, the presence of domestic abuse, the abuser, and the that forgiveness process and the difference between the two is frightening to me. That that if we're gonna look Because
1: people get angry about the money and want retribution and want is that what you're yes. saying?
0: Yes. So so you read you know, read about your televangelists who had money issues and embezzlement and they're taken to jail and their corporations are dissolved and all sorts of things like that. And then before this cancel culture that we had, the way that abusers or televangelists who who had a less criminal misstep, you know, go, you know, come before a screen. And
1: um, that's in my billboards, actually, where I talked about this long history of televangelists and maybe even our bigger churches today, if, if, or, or smaller churches If this idea of, you know, when Jimmy Swaggered or whoever was caught and then they come on TV and they're crying and they say, God's forgiven me, please forgive me. And we're just, again, supposed to pretend like that didn't happen. But if, but we can't give the same grace to a woman who wants to leave an abusive marriage and say, oh, she should be able to forgive and pretend like that didn't happen and stay in that marriage.
0: Right. Like the person who embezzled money from the church is not allowed to come and worship in that congregation anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's that. I perhaps there are churches out there where that is the case, where somebody has embezzled money, went to jail, paid the money back, da da da, da and then they're back worshiping with that community. I am not aware of that. I, I don't want to dismiss that. That's not a possibility. But I hear far more stories about. I will name the stereotype that there's a, a a heterosexual heteronormative couple where the male is abusing the female, the female wants to leave the marriage, the male is gets the church behind him, tells the woman she has to forgive him, and the abuser continues to yeah. to, to be present in that situation. Yeah,
1: that's, I think a great example and one that we've talked about quite a bit coming up in my dissertation of where the church basically took the side. Of the abusive husband because he wanted to stay in the marriage. He wanted to, he said he was sorry, and that the woman was ostracized because she wouldn't forgive him and come back to that. So, that's, I think, a place of this concept of forgiveness being weaponized and manipulated and true harm being done by spiritual leaders and spiritual groups and by the theology that they are proposing, which again, we would offer is bad theology. Yeah. Just bad theology. We don't use that term a lot, but that's just bad theology. Yes. And so, and the power dynamics there, and, you know, and that's not to say to, it's a, it would be a beautiful model of having someone got caught embezzling and bid their time and really sought forgiveness and was, you know, and the community was able to find a way to have community with that person. And, that doesn't mean you put that person in charge of the money again, right? <laughs> yes, so so much. So, so it's just yeah. it. That's I think that's a confusion about what God tells us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, and I think sometimes there's well intentioned meaning behind this not always sometimes it is just about power and control and patriarchy and all of those things trying to keep those those things in place and the little wife in her place and those kind of things Mm. certainly those 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 ill-intentioned things happen but there are people who see that something's hurting you and want to say if you can just forgive Mm -hmm. you can stop hurting like I think that is well-intentioned that but even well-intentioned spiritual bypass is still spiritual bypass yeah, and it's still missing a huge chunk of the pain that needs to be processed and worked through. Right. So,
0: yeah, we, we were talking about this before we started recording. There's this really beautiful hymn that's sung in the Presbyterian church called for everyone born. And there's a verse in the five verse hymn that talks about for everyone born, there's a place at the table and it goes through all of these circumstances For abuser, abused, and the need to forgive.
1: And I cringe every time that's up. And I do not sing that verse.
0: I do too. So we both cringe. And I don't remember if I looked at you when we sang it in church the other day. But I don't love that. I think it's well-intentioned. Because this idea of a crowded table. It's a beautiful concept. And everyone being around it. But this idea that the abuser and the abused gets to sit around the same table... Like, yes, there's a need to forgive, but let's keep the abuser and the abused at separate tables. Exactly. Or at least far, far ends of the table. So,
1: yes, God loves the abuser yes. as much as the abused. But that doesn't mean we have to expose the person who's been to abuse to their abuser. Yes. And it's, it is a beautiful theological concept. And it is a beauty that the, the chorus of that song is one of those beautiful choruses. And I sing it loud and I love it that um, that God will delight when we're creators of justice and, and, joy. and joy and compassion and peace. And it's beautiful. And that line, I just go, who is being re-traumatized in this room right, right now as we read this? Because you don't have to sit down at a literal table with your abuser. Yes. Like, God can do that, but you don't have
0: to do that. Yes. And here's another example of both things can be true. Because we both talked about how much we love that hymn. And hate that verse. At the same time, both things can be true.
1: Exactly. There.
0: Look, we got exactly. it in. We got it in. I'm glad <laughs> we got a chance to talk. There's so, the on for everyone born.
1: So just a reminder for counselors, figure out what your clients mean when they talk about forgiveness. And be really careful when you're encouraging your clients to forgive. Because that might mean something really different in their world and their religious system and their theology than what you're intending as a very healthy Exercise of letting go for them. So if we go to the the section on who's driving, this is where we look at power and control and which is so often a part of religious harm and religious trauma. Um, So what kind of power and control is gained from manipulating this concept of forgiveness? Who's driving this bad car?
0: So I I will tell you all a story that is one of the stories that really helped me give me perspective on what kind of ministry I wanted to be a part of. Uh, I I think in the same way that we learn a lot from bad teachers, we learn a lot from bad stories. So I heard a story early on about a church wherein there was a, a person who identified as male who was engaging in some really unfortunate behavior, not healthy for for himself and not healthy for other people and there were a number of people in the congregation that were bringing to the pastor's attention that they were concerned about this particular person and there was some questioning as to why the pastor did not consider engaging in a conversation with this man who was engaging in this harmful behavior and it came out that he was a real big donor to the ah. church. And that we couldn't upset if 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 his money went away. That, oh, that, that makes really, me so mad. And I I I I really don't think that I'm using hyperbole here, but that was one of the things when I was like, well, if that's the church, I'm not altogether sure I want to be a part of that. Sure. Because do we need to worry do, like the church is many things. The little church with the little C, not the big C Christ body in the world, but the little church also at times is a business that needs to operate and that needs to to look at people in reality and foster these relationships. And the, the, the cost of having a conversation with someone to say the behavior you're engaging in is unhealthy. You're not allowing us to welcome people. And I think a lot of times, I think in the world and in the church, when we think about power and control, that a lot of times money is tied to that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And holy cow, does that suck? Yeah. Holy cow, does
1: that suck? So that's the power and control piece. If you have the power that comes with money and therefore the control that comes with money, then you get the automatic, quote, forgiveness. Not true forgiveness, but you get a lot of people turning their eye, turning a blind eye turning away from it, not looking at it, not willing to call it out. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, you know, Mm. I mean, just, that's just one example that we all know of how long was he allowed to operate in Hollywood because he was funding things when Mm -hmm. there was all of this sexual abuse that was also happening that he's now in jail for and has been proven and is convicted. And so, so when you hear about that happen in a religious community, where the religious community has bought into this idea that money equals power and control and therefore someone doesn't have to be held accountable um, or is given forgiveness without any accountability or without any discussion about what it means to live in community. That's all, that's not of God. That's not okay.
0: Right. And I think the other thing about if we separate it from money, the thing about power and control is that it's nice to have like as someone who lives with anxiety, I love being in control. But one of the things that we know about Jesus and his life and ministry is Jesus is about upsetting the status quo and about changing the pattern and being countercultural. And so this idea of power being reversed, of control being reversed, like there's so much uncertainty and there's this aspect of, uh, of inauthentic forgiveness where like I'm going to force you to forgive so I have power and control over you and power over what's happening. And so I don't care if it's authentic, but I need you to, I need it to stay this way. We need mm-hmm. to maintain yeah. this status quo.
1: Or you need to forgive him so that he can stay in power and maintain right. this. Um, we don't
0: want to upset the delicate yeah. dynamic. And we, we don't want to lose the funding. Right. But like, you name your Jesus story and there is a very good chance that Jesus' actions were some form of upsetting not like emotion like i'm upset but that there is an upsetting of what's going on there that jesus is changing whether it's healing and restoring someone to community whether it's inviting people to be doers of justice or creators of joy there's this this upsetting that's going on and it means relinquishing power and relinquishing control which is hard to do
1: and which is what jesus did
0: yes and Preach it again. I know I
1: say this over and over and over on Sacred Intersections, but Jesus's criticism was always directed towards those with the power and control, mm-hmm. and and criticizing them for the ways they were trying to maintain that power and control and using that power and control to manipulate. So keep your eyes open, Brody's. Keep those eyes open, um, and you know, of course, abusers, just blatant abusers, are the ones that have a reason to be driving this. You know, that, yeah. that, get, that keeps them from having to be called out and have responsibility, and that's abusive theology, abusive clergy, abusive church groups or other religious groups. Um, so, yeah.
0: Well, I think it's also important to name that a lot of times power and control come with being in the majority. Mm. So those of us who are white expecting people of color to forgive us for Mm. the act of slavery to forgive us for the immense oppression that has been laden on their shoulders for generations and decades and eons of time and that that there's that that's such a twisting of the concept that's out there that that I, I, I want to say as a white person, I don't think it's fair for me to walk up to a black person and be like, you don't have a right to be mad. You need to forgive me. I didn't own slaves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of these concepts that we're talking about are true on a systemic level too. Yes. to all the people who have been marginalized, who yeah. have been oppressed. And those systems that have allowed some of us to have more power and control. Yes. Thanks all, for naming that. Because yeah. we didn't, even though we don't deserve it. We just, you know, I didn't do anything to earn having more power and control in our society because I'm white, but I do, and right. therefore I need to, to recognize that yeah. and to do what I can do to, to create equality and equity right. among that.
0: We didn't do anything to earn God's forgiveness either. Jesus did. Amen so to that. There's that. Um, no, thanks for naming the systemic level. I think that, that that's important. Yeah, that's important.
1: And the roadblock section is where we feel like this is getting in, con- this this idea, this particular form of religious harm is getting in the way of what we as Christians are called to do. Yeah. And so I think just the idea of this sending a message, if you're told to forgive when you don't, when you, if you're told to forgive in a way that dismisses your pain, mm-hmm. that is sending the message that God doesn't care about your pain. Right. And, Rhodey's, God cares about your pain. Yes. Like, it just, that, the idea that God not caring about your pain, or just even apart from religion in the counseling world, someone feeling like their pain doesn't matter, is perhaps one of the most heartbreaking things Mm -hmm. that I can experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So, if someone's telling you, just forgive and move on, just question um, whether they're speaking of God, even if they're claiming to be.
0: Yeah. I think a big roadblock for me, which which borders on road rage, is is this phrase that I mentioned earlier: is forgive and forget. Mm. Not in the Bible. Forgive the phrase forgive and forget. Not in the <laughs> Bible. And the, but but this 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 lack of accountability, this lack of justice on a systemic level, as you named, on a relational level, this this the the application of divine forgiveness to human relationships. Yes, we have all been forgiven divinely through Jesus. And we also, to be in continual relationship, have to work on a slightly different kind of forgiveness with each other. We can't Mm -hmm. practice divine forgiveness in the same way that God forgives us because we're not God We're Jesus. Thanks be to God. (laughs) It's too much pressure.
1: Yeah. And that's just a good reminder that, to be clear, we're not saying don't forgive just because you're in pain. We're not saying forgiveness is a bad thing. It's just the twisting of it and the being forced to do it inauthentically and the way that encourages spiritual bypass. I think if we can truly let go of something, if we can truly see people as a child of God, no matter what, no matter who, that deserves a place at the table, just not near the person that they've hurt, perhaps, Or if you can get to that point, you know, I think that's beautiful. I'm not saying it can't happen. It's just the manipulation of it that's really problematic.
0: Right. Well, I think if we think about forgiveness as a process of healing, because we don't live at Hogwarts and magic is not a real thing, (laughs) much to my disappointment, but like if we think about how our bodies heal, when medicine takes time to work, it takes time to get into our bloodstream, like it takes time for a cut to heal and scab over. Forgiveness is a tool, a medicine, a kind of process of forgiveness. And so the twisting is that forgiveness is an event, that it's the snap of the fingers, and then we move on and forget about it. If we understand forgiveness as a tool that helps and aids in our healing, there are people who are on medicine for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And that's a, I think a better way that's a might have just jumped to my um, reframe read U-turn
1: to to your U-turn, but that's great. Yeah.
0: And I think
1: that's part of my road rage and U-turn as well. Is this it is such a beautiful concept. The idea of reconciliation Whatever that means, the idea of letting go, the idea of not being defined by one thing or one aspect of your relationship, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful gift that God has given us. Mm -hmm. And then those seeking power and control, as with all things religious abuse, come in and twist it and manipulate it for their own needs and for their own um, maintenance of power. And so that's my road rage. But the U-turn would be the remembering of the beauty of it and the way that truly honors the gift that it is rather than bypassing the process. Right.
0: I think process is a really important word. I think freedom is a really important word that that forgive that alliteration of forgiveness and freedom that forgiveness liberates us from the shame and the guilt that are that are centered around this thing and helps us and aids us in the process of moving forward. It's a it's a tool of of healing and but yes, Idea of snapping your fingers and being done and moving on, the lack of accountability and the oppression and injustice that comes from that on a systemic level is infuriating, infuriating to me. It's a huge, huge, a huge road rage.
1: So any more U-turns? I mean, I think really just like we've said, being willing to talk about the nuance. We've always said churches that provide easy answers are... Just use caution around that. Yes. So, forgiveness is a nuanced process it's, that takes a long time.
0: Yes. We say it every episode. It's complicated. It's there complicated. are complicated. There are many layers. There are different kinds of forgiveness, and and it's a our U turn as we have said multiple times. It's a process. It's something that that happens over time, and it's a tool that can be used that will aid in reconciliation, that will aid in healing, that mm-hmm. will that will aid in the 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 repair that comes from brokenness. Mm -hmm. It's not a magic wand waving.
1: And if we, if what we don't want is to dismiss the pain, then what we do want is to sit with the pain and honor the pain and recognize the pain and name the pain. And then we can start to heal from the pain. But as long as we pretend like it's not there, it's going to just stick around kind of, tapping at us or scratching at us, trying to get our attention.
0: Right. Well, and that that, that other U-turn is to step away from that black-white, bifurcated view of things, binary view of things, and being able to sit with the pain and work on forgiveness at the same time. And work on forgiveness. Try to forgive as Jesus forgave.
1: Yep. Yep. So we've already mentioned several of our billboards. So this is where... We're seeing these concepts that we're talking about show up in, in our lives or pop culture, things like that. We've mentioned televangelists. I think that's really one of the, the shining spotlights when when someone does come on TV and just say, I've been forgiven and therefore we're not going to mention this again and we're going to pretend like it's no big deal. Yeah. And how damaging that can be because it's a
0: whiplash of what, like, wait, wait, what happened like, what? Yes. Um, yes. I think about disgraced politicians as mm-hmm, well and different, mm-hmm. the, both the way it happens in reality and I think about one of my favorite television shows, Parks and Recreation, and the way there's one particular council member, at, um, Councilman Deckhart, on the television show Parks and Recreation is always ensconced in some kind of scandal. And... It's always like, oh, you should just forgive me. You should, it's like, just, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And there's never, like, an accountability. There's never, and at one point he's like, I mean, I could say I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm just going to do it again.
1: Hmm. And the
0: way that that just becomes accepted of the disgraced yeah. politician. And
1: and I think on the opposite end of that, we did an episode on cancel culture. Very true. And, you know, on the opposite end of come on, make an apology, forgive me, move on, let's pretend like nothing's happened, is that cancel culture that says you're, like, no matter what you do, you're never coming back from this, and we don't want to hear from you, see from you. And I think that can be damaging as well, although I do think there are there are times when, you know, we don't need to, we, we again, don't need to be giving someone a platform sure. if they're doing harm to someone. Yeah. But I, I just truly believe that everyone is more, than the worst moment in their lives yes and so there's nuance to people
0: yeah too so i have to tell i have to say one silly very very silly little thing little billboard which we're not gonna link because it's totally inappropriate so if it's <laughs> i if, know what you're gonna say <laughs> i feel like roadies go ahead and google it and and you know have a little chuckle if you're okay with um a little bit of, of inappropriate humor but i think When we started thinking about this episode, and as we've been recording, it's like on loop in the back of my (laughs) mind. So this movie came out, this movie Just Friends, Ryan Reynolds and Anna Faris are two of the many actors involved in this movie, came out in the early 2000s. Um, I would make the argument that it's a Christmas movie because Christmas is a part of the celebration. And uh, Anna Faris is an act uh, an actor musician famous person doing a number of things Ryan Reynolds character is managing her and she comes out with this song that she sings and it's forgiveness is more than saying sorry and like at various iterations through the movie at one point she sings it when she's very drunk there are things that come after it that are the not safe part of not safe for work part of it but like, the song that I have in the back of my head is forgiveness. <laughs> more than saying sorry. And just like cannot stop hearing that. So in
1: my that ears. is what Jill started singing as soon as we discussed this being our topic. So just know that that, had to throw that, that, that in has there. been an inspiration for this episode as well as let it go has yes! been an episode, you know, that that, that was a beautiful song that was brought into our consciousness thanks to Disney and Frozen. Yes. Yes. And that was also a movie that actually had some nuance to it. Yeah. And some, so it's not just as easy as I'm just done with it and I'm letting it go. Yeah. So letting it go, a great concept, but right. takes work and many steps to it. Yes.
0: Most beautiful, one of the most beautiful uses of. The song from Frozen, Let It Go, is in an episode of Ted Lasso. Mm. Television show on Apple TV. Highly recommend. Yes, very healing. Has has great healing, some good parts about it. But if you watch it, it, it took me till the third or fourth time that I watch it. They Something great happens. They all go to a karaoke bar. A particular character sings Let It Go, the song from Frozen. And the nuance of what's going on in that episode and the ways... That forgiveness and letting it go play into that episode. Like, ooh, go check that out. Maybe uh-huh. we could link that episode uh-huh.
1: in. I might need to watch it again. It's
0: so, so, so
1: lovely. And, you know, again, this idea of it being freeing, not binding. Exactly. Not consuming, not binding, freeing. That's what letting it go. Yes. And forgiveness truly means. Yes. All right. Jill, are we ready to put it in park?
0: I'm, I, I'm ready if you're ready. What do you think? Put it in park for us.
1: You know, I think it just keeps going through my mind what we've said that forgiveness is a beautiful concept. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful gift that God has given us. And I get angry when I think about how it's been twisted. And I hope that this discussion and this podcast, as is our hope with every podcast is to reclaim a little bit of this and to help take some of the harmful aspects and name them. So their power lessons. And so there's additional narrative to what, forgiveness means, especially in the Christian community out there. Um, so the beauty of forgiveness without the manipulation and without the weaponization, just not being forced and not being pressured for someone, but but an incredibly healing journey of reconciliation and internal healing too. So that's yeah. my put in
0: part. I love it. How so about you? Beautiful. I, I would echo everything that you just said. I think when we work on understanding the concept of divine forgiveness and the way that god has forgiven us there is a beauty in that concept and there is the inspiration that being forgiven changes us Hmm. and it gives us the opportunity to go forth and sin no more to go out into the world and and to try and be better versions of ourselves to try and live as jesus lived So I I love that concept, and I think as we go out into the world to try and live as Jesus forgived, that we have to remember that forgiveness is meant to be freeing, that it's a process, it's not a snapping of the fingers, and that there are so many circumstances where we can be in the process of working on forgiveness and still honor the trauma and the pain and be working on that, that there's an opportunity for both things to be true at the same time. That it's, it's a process. But that, as I think it's important to say every episode, God forgives us because God loves us. Mm. That it's it's grounded in love. And when mm-hmm. forgiveness isn't grounded in love, you're not doing it right. Yeah. We're not doing it right.
1: It's, it's being weaponized and manipulated when it's not grounded in love. Yeah. It's a great, that's a great filter to figure it out. Well, this has been one of my favorite episodes, I I'm think. i God! so good. This is... This is, this is life-giving. So, thanks for the discussion. Yes, thank you. And, Rodie's, thanks for listening with us. And, as always, we invite you to join the discussion. You can do that on any of our social media posts that you can find on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, those will be linked in the show notes as well. We have an awesome website.
0: We have email. And, Rodie's, you just need to know that when you interact with us, it it is such a highlight in our lives and our days. Like we Paula, Paula always sees it first because she's way more active <laughs> on social media than I am. But I love like getting my little text alert. Like we got a message from a roadie or like there's a review or something like that. Like it just, it brightens our lives and it gives us the opportunity to do better ourselves and to learn more. We love learning from you and mm-hmm. hearing from you. So if you're looking to bring a little joy into the lives of two particular people, Interact with us on social media or on our website or on our email. In general, if you Google Sacred Intersections podcast, you could probably get linked to any one of those things.
1: And they're also linked in the show notes. If you want a Sacred Intersections t-shirt, that's linked in the show notes, I love my Sacred Intersections. I have so many t-shirts.
0: I have a mug, too, that I love. And I I drank from it this morning when we were getting ready to record. And then I tend to drink it on Tuesdays because... Most often we release our episodes on Tuesdays. So oh,
1: fun. Mm-hmm. Yay. You could do that too. Tuesday Sacred Intersection Mug Day.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That could be a hashtag that. I like that. <laughs> I like that.
1: So thanks for being with us, roadies. And safe travels through all your sacred intersections throughout the week.